Hi everyone, and you're very welcome to Reinventing the Next Chapter, a podcast where I speak to women who either through choice or through circumstance have had to take a step back, reevaluate their lives and make some powerful changes. I'm your host, Elaine Ryan, life, career and relationship coach. If you're feeling stuck or not where you thought you'd be in life, my hope is that these stories will give you the inspiration and more importantly, the motivation to take the first step towards reinventing your next chapter. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Reinventing the Next Chapter. Today I am joined by business mentor Amanda Delaney and I first came across Amanda in 2019 when I went to some of her fabulous networking events which I found to be very different to other networking events out there. They were very inclusive and friendly and maybe not as formal sort of as as some of the other networking things like Gantas. And then during the pandemic, I also took part in some of her Facebook video challenges. I have had the pleasure to meet uh, Amanda in person and virtually. So I think today it's going to be a really good chat. So I'll stop talking and I'll hand over to Amanda to, to introduce herself. Thanks, Elaine. Well, hi, guys. I'm Amanda, Amanda Delaney. I've been in business now for over 20 years. So when people started to come to me through my network and ask me to coach them or mentor them in their business, it was very, very scary, to say the least, because I hadn't gone and done any traditional or, you know, official training in the arena of coaching and mentoring, although I had been in the fitness industry and had been in recruiting. So I suppose I've been coaching and mentoring all my life. But to do it in a capacity under the heading of a business mentor was scary But like everything else, once I started to take those steps, I realized very quickly I was doing this anyway, just in conversations with people on the phone or at my networking events. I was always one to give advice and help people. So I've been doing it now very successfully as a business for the last five years. And recently now, just last year, the year before, I've brought in some mindset. So I've gone back to train as a fulfillment and a behavior coach. So that's another string to add to my bow. Because many times business owners or people in general, us humans, it's the mindset that will block us and get in our way. We get in our own way. So being able to now add that alongside business mentoring has been hugely beneficial. So that's a little bit about me. 20 years in business, five years mentoring. And as I said, more recently now qualified as with behavior as well. So that mindset is the added key into my business. So another skill. And you're also married to Ian, who you talk about a lot on your social media and you're a mom as well. So I think that always comes across on any of your social media that you're very family is a core value and and you're very family orientated as well. But we'll probably touch on some of that throughout the chat. I know you recently celebrated a birthday, so happy birthday. So it's probably a good opportunity for you to kind of look back and reflect on your life through this chat. So can I take you back? to when you were in your teens and what did you think your life might look like when you left school and grew up and all of that? I kind of left school before I grew up. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't put too much thought into that. I left school very, very young. Looking back at 14 years of age, I thought I knew everything. My mom had worked in a factory. My sister was now working in this factory. And to be honest, the reason why I left school so young wasn't because I didn't like school. 
it was really to do with my self-esteem. Hindsight, you know yourself, when you look back and you can see what you were really at. I didn't have the language, didn't have the understanding to realize that I was really struggling emotionally. I was really struggling with self-esteem. So I was the bully in school, but I didn't want to be a bully. So I was standing with the cool kids because I could not have bared to be laughed at. And yet when I came home at night, I was very sad and very lonely, felt very trapped. Um, I didn't have the confidence or the self-esteem to stand up and say, you know, that's not right. So I did things I wasn't very proud of. Nothing major, like nothing major. And and girls that were in my class have since reassured me, Band, I don't I don't see you like that. But for me, that's how I saw myself. So yeah. I was left after after the intercert with a decision to make. Do I stay here where I'm really hurting or do I leave and get a job? And back then there was loads of jobs. And as I said, my sister was working in this factory, so I knew I could get a job there. So I left. And I remember my mom coming up to the factory where I worked with my intercept results and they were good. Like I was clever. Yeah. But as I said, emotionally, I was a wreck. So I left there, went to work in the factory. And if anybody, like I spoke at TEDx about my journey. It was very, very based around drink, alcohol, horrendous relationships all over the place because I didn't know who I was I was totally totally depressed lost and if if I'm honest I was an alcoholic by the time I was 16 I was drinking till I got oblivious functioning but really really out of control so I didn't give much thought to my life back then it was just putting one foot in front of the other life was great big party when I was out and about I was the life and soul of that party and when I was at home I was the saddest loneliest depressed that's who I was. So there was a lot going on. There's a few different Amandas going on at that time. Yeah, it sounds very much like you weren't grounded at all in yourself, that you were grasping for something external the whole time to kind of, yeah. okay. Fill a void, trying to fill that hole. And of course, back then, you know, when I remember my first memory of depression, I was coming from school on a Saturday. I was after having a sleepover with my aunties and I was sobbing. And my mom could say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I didn't know. So she didn't know what to say. They didn't have the skills, the tools or the understanding either. Yeah. So it was just somebody to talk to her, do something with her, because they didn't know what to do with you. And like rearing four kids now, I can see the hormone levels are raging. You're hormonal as it is. But then looking where I was at, I had got a void. I had numbed myself from feeling. So I was either really sad or really happy. Yeah. For many, many years that I didn't know anything other than highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. That must have been exhausting. 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 Yeah. So you did your intercert. You were working in the factory. You were out partying and drinking. And I suppose how did the rest of, I suppose, how did your 20s progress then? Yeah. So there's a couple of defining moments then as I grew up. I became a mom at 19 to my gorgeous son so that was one defining moment and that's when I knew I couldn't stay in the factory I needed to do something so when he was two I left the factory sobbing <laughs> I, I said to somebody how do you hand in your notice because it's the only job I had just because the fear of unknown not because right. I yeah. am happy there or whatever it was hard work it was good money but it was hard work yeah so I handed it in and I became I joined a fitness course <laughs> I was pretty overweight. I was not fit. I was smoking 20 cigarettes a day and drinking like a fish. So picture that. Like, yeah. um, My friends had done this course. I knew the instructors and I knew I, I had a good chance of getting on this course. It was uh, a fast course at the time. So I jumped in there and that was to this day one of the defining moments of my life. 
Right. It was nine months. It was hard. I hadn't studied in school. I'd never done a project. I had a hyperactive two-year-old. It like there was a lot of challenges. I wasn't fit. I couldn't swim. I had to learn and overcome a lot of stuff. But at the end of the nine months, I achieved student of the year, which was one of my proud moments. But it really showed me two things. I absolutely love to teach. Yeah. And I love to learn. I love to learn and I love to teach. And when I went into that industry for the years I was in it, I was making a massive difference for somebody who couldn't swim. Teaching swimming became the biggest thing I was known for because I had the fear of the water myself. I was able to help people overcome it. And to me, that's a lifetime skill. I helped another lady lose eight stone and change her health around. And I loved the buzz of changing lives. Yeah, I think you have a nice mix of you have the empathy, I suppose, because if you've been there yourself, but you're also very motivating. You know, you're not kind of too gentle, like you'll you'll kind of say it like it is to get somebody to take action. Um, And did you have much support during that time when you went back to do the course? Like, did you have anybody to help when you were doing as you're doing the course, you have a two-year-old a lot. Yeah, I did. The, one of the hardest things was I got halfway through that course and I was really doing well in it. And I had a childminder for my hyperactive two-year-olds. And one day she said to me, Amanda, I can't mind him anymore. It's too much with my own children and stuff. And I said, OMG, what am I going to do? My mom had gone and got a job, so that wasn't an option. So I really had a tough decision to make. So I went I went and looked for different CE schemes and stuff that I could work at. And one of them was a security overnight for 24 hours. So I don't need to get someone to mind them 24 hours. So I decided that's what I'm going to do. And I went into the coordinator of the course and I said, I'm handing in me notes because I've nobody to mind my son and I can't do this. And he said, I don't care what you have to do. And he ripped up the resignation. He said, you get back here on Monday, you're not quitting this course. Wow. So he could see your potential. He could yeah. see it. And I'm absolutely so grateful for that. But I ended up having to get a taxi on the Monday morning, drop my son off to his granny's, my his father's mother, with a bag of clothes for the week. And I said, you're going to have to do this till I finish this course. So I had to do tough things to, And I'm so, so grateful like now, as I'm older and I can see time, it was a couple of weeks. Do you know, it was a couple of weeks of what was going to be transformational for my life. Yeah. For his life too. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was your entry into the fitness world. Yeah. And where did yeah. you go from there? I worked in two, mainly two gyms. And towards the end of that career working in gyms, I had met my beautiful, amazing husband, my soulmate. So and we were we had gotten married and I was 30. Oh, yeah, I was 30 years of age and I had an opportunity to come and manage a beauty salon. OK, very different. Now, I was always painting nails in the in the locker room of the gym and rubbing tan on people. So I did have a passion and an interest for beauty. But this came along out of the blue. Somebody I knew from the gym said, look, I'm looking for someone I can trust to manage the salon. Do you want the job? And I had to weigh it up. I had a great thing going in the gym, but it was starting to fizzle out. And I said, feck it. I'd say yes. Hadn't a clue what I was doing. I'd say yes. I can always go back. I'm not going to get this opportunity again. She's going to pay for my beauty training. I'm 30 years of age. And so newlywed, jumped from one career straight into another one, not having had a clue, got on board with the training, 
five weeks into that salon opening and I found out I was pregnant on my child. So fun and games. So then I had a second child a year later. Loved the industry, but I was really missing the teaching and making a difference in people's lives. I really, really missed that. And I knew that it was like this whole, this void was there. So within a very short space of time, two, three years, I opened up my own salon and a beauty school. Right. So I became an educator and I started to teach again. Okay. Um, yeah. For myself this time. So I still went to work for myself. Okay. So that makes sense, I suppose, that you were missing the teaching, that you found a way to get back into it using those skills. And can I ask you out of out of curiosity or nosiness, did you meet Ian in your husband in the gym or was Oh that- no, in the pub. In the pub. <laughs> I was still drinking. I right. was still okay. drinking. Yeah. yeah. We met each other in a nightclub uh, okay. at a Christmas party when I was still working in the gyms. Okay. And it's nice that you refer to him as your soulmate. That's lovely. So you met him, you had your two kids, you were now running beauty courses yourself. Yeah. So we had three kids. So I had Craig, the eldest lad, and then we have then two. Your two kids with uh, him. Yeah. yeah. I went back to college, as you do. Amanda Delaney does everything backwards. So I've been working in a salon for years and now I'm opening up my own salon and I went back to beauty college to do the basics. <laughs> yeah. So back to beauty college, opened up the salon, ran it very successfully. For a good number of years, I had my fourth child then and I was looking for a skincare range that I could use within my salon. And I I literally stumbled across network marketing, the industry of network marketing. They were selling a good skincare range and I literally a whole new world opened up to me. This was introduced me to personal development, to storytelling to big seminars, events. So I went on a completely different journey. Like my personality is one of excitement and I love recognition. So it ticked so many boxes for me. So I threw myself in there. I gave my salon over to my sister to manage and run it. And for literally 10 years, I slept and drank knowledge, learning, watching, community building, all of this. It was just phenomenal. And that's what led me then to actually opening up my own uh, networking group. We can and we will was born from all of that. And what was the biggest learning then in those 10 years? Oh, my God, there's so many. But I suppose what's coming to me heart is, is everyone has a story and that it's the ordinary human beings that are the incredible. They're, They're just incredible. What people can do, resilience and all of that is just amazing. People work really well when they're in a safe environment, when there's encouragement, when they're given that safe space to be themselves and to talk. Yeah, just so much. And the fact that I love big stages, I love big stages. I love uh, public speaking. The bigger the stage, the better. The more people in the audience. <laughs> I'm a bit weird. Some people are like, oh my God, public speaking. And I'm like, oh yeah, but it has to be on a big stage. Like, otherwise I'm nervous. <laughs> And were you naturally like that or did you have to learn how to be like that for public speaking? We don't know until we try. So I remember teaching my first aerobics class and being really nervous. But then once I getting into it, loving it. So I suppose I had that experience of being the teacher at the top of the class. I remember going into this, my very first event. It was a Saturday. It was on. Myself and my mate went in. There was hundreds of people in the convention centre and this big stage and people are getting up and down on these stages. And I was like, how do I get on that stage? How do I be up there? What do I need to do? When I come back here next month, I'm going to be up on that stage. 
And the next time I came to that event, I was on the stage seven times. <laughs> Everything that was gone, I was like, I'm qualifying. I'm qualifying. And then it was like, how do I be an MC up there? How do I run the day? So then before I knew I was MC in these big, huge corporate events and yeah. apps, like one stage I stood on the stage and I was singing. <laughs> I was just like, did I actually do that? Like you crazy, <laughs> crazy woman. Um, yeah. But yeah, just the buzz of that. Just the yeah. buzz of that. So here's what I firmly believe. And I'm trying to instill this in my kids as well. We don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we like or what we don't like if we do not try it. Yeah, you're that right. Yeah. So if I hadn't tried fitness, who knew that I'd, I'd love fitness? Who knew that I'd be a phenomenal swimming teacher? Because on paper, it was ridiculous. Like <laughs> I was the most unfit person who couldn't swim. And yet I went into that industry. And today I still teach my friends. I still do Zoom classes three mornings a week to keep me fit. So that skill is still something that I'm using today. So yeah. if your listeners are, are hearing this, they're hearing me say, go stretch your comfort zone. Say yes and figure it out afterwards. Yeah. Don't let fear rob you of something that could be truly amazing. And you could hate something. That's okay too. You, yeah. You'll know. I won't do that again. I didn't like that. At least you've given it a go. It's funny on the public speaking because I actually quite like public speaking now, but I used to be the person where my leg was, everything was shaking, all of that. And I'd still get very nervous, but I get the buzz that you're talking about. I used to get that. It used to just be pure nerves, but I was forced into it from work. So it's a skill you can learn, like not every, it doesn't come naturally to everybody. But um, yeah, I think you're definitely one that you, you get out of your comfort zone a lot, which is great. So it's at this stage, you moved, you did 10 years personal development and you decided to start your own networking thing then. So do you want to talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So so Academy Will started at one lunchtime. I, I didn't like going to networking. I did, like you said at the start, those really official ones where you have to do your 30 second pitch and all. Oh God, I used to feel drained after them. I was like, really didn't like that atmosphere at all. So created uh, We Academy Will and it really grew from there and I found after 12 months it was starting to become one of those groups where people come in and pitch their sale and gone and I was like yeah, I didn't want this I don't like this so I then started to run we can and we will talks because bringing back in the storytelling I love yeah. stories I love hearing people's stories so this became a platform for business owners to share their story and it grew over five years I think just pre-COVID we had over 100 people in the Bank of Ireland and Blanchettstown to hear people share their stories and that's all it was it was ordinary people my attitude was TEDx isn't going to knock to hear your story and I found over those years that we became like a big family it was so warm and welcome and you mentioned that earlier on it was really lovely environment to come in and feel safe and enjoy and it was transformational for many of those speakers over those years people who were so nervous getting up there and actually just told their own story but for many it was the first time to say it out loud to say it in public and that set them free it set them free to do many great things one lady got pulled out of a hat one night good friend of mine she's responsible for me mentoring (laughs) and she wouldn't leave me alone until I said I would agree to coach and mentor her but that night she told her story I interviewed her because she was so nervous and so I said I guide you and at the end of it, she told us all that she had a business and she was so nervous about her business. She put her business cards in the bin. Oh, she really just was so nervous. And after that night, her business is now phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Took off after that night. She just got out of her own way. And um, that was, as I said, a few months after that, she was hounding me to mentor her. 
So the power of your story, the power of being in safe rooms, the power of being around, surrounded by the right people who believe in you and they're not there judging you, they're encouraging you. And I think the safe, the safe room or safe space, as you said, they're like one of the networking events I'd gone to before (laughs) to yours. I arrived and I think I hid in the loo until it started because it was just so stiff and formal. And I mean, that was about me. I mean, I could have made more of an effort, but yours, I think it was just the room, whatever way the setup was. It was just very natural to to get chatting to somebody beside you without feeling like you had to do a pitch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's amazing that that, that lady had gone from th- nearly throwing her business cards in, in the bin to being, being full of confidence and everything after. So that's great. I think for us as humans, not even as business owners, it's critical that we find that safe space if we wish to grow. Yeah, definitely. And finding your tribe and the people that, because not everybody's going to get you or not everybody's, you need to find people that you connect with. So the networking and then I suppose then a transition to bit over COVID. Yeah, so when COVID hit, Elaine, oh my God, people were in panic mode. I'd already been using Zoom for masterminding and stuff, so I wasn't too unfamiliar with it. Yeah, I don't know. I just switched gears and just thought, oh my God, we take the Academy Wheel online. We bring it into Zoom. The Facebook page, the group page I had exploded. I was really just lifting people up and just trying to keep people encouraged in there. I was teaching people how to use Zoom. My clients were pivoting businesses. Some of them were bricks and mortar business. They were like, oh my God, how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay my bills? And like, there was some phenomenal success stories came out of that year like one was a pilates teacher who was and she did a lot of physical therapy with people and she literally moved her business that year completely online and I think she made actually more money than she was making more bricks and mortar business it was huge success many many people joined my academy to learn how to, to do all this stuff and unfortunately, the year after that I started to build my own online courses I was just manic and I went full throttle. But after two years, I crashed and burned. You burnt out, <laughs> and, did you? Yeah. yeah. I burnt myself out. Yeah. Burnt myself out. Too much. And not listening to the red flags. Like my, my body was screaming at me. My Some things I was doing was against my own values, but I wouldn't listen to myself. I just kept going and going and going. And in the January of 2021, I said to myself, OK, I need to do a little bit personal development, go a little bit deeper on myself. And after that, then just anxiety kicked in. I had a lot of stuff going on with sinuses and panicky and it was awful. Uh, your, body was, your body was talking to you. Yeah. My mom passed in the 6th of March, 2021. And again, I was still smoking. I'd given up the drink five, five years ago. I'd stopped drinking alcohol five years ago. That had made a huge difference to my life. But I was still smoking. My mom died from cigarettes. And I was experiencing all this. I really think now that the universe sent me these physical ailments. They weren't real. <laughs> like okay. the doctor was saying, sending me for chest x-rays, nothing was showing up. But yet yes. I was experiencing this, I can't breathe. I was hiking. But then at night I couldn't breathe. So now I really think they may be in panic attacks. But mm-hmm. in my mind, the fear of getting emphysema was getting bigger and bigger. And it was getting bigger than the want for me to smoke. Right, Yeah. So was that so the turning point then? That yeah. was, now, stopping smoking was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I've done some hard things. This was the hardest thing I've had to do. 
honestly, the emotions. Every Wednesday, I wake up, I cry all day. Literally, the tears would flow. I had suicidal thoughts, everything. It was like those cigarettes had numbed me for 34 years. And oh, here it? I was, haven't decided to stop. Oh, was it harder than giving up drink? Oh, completely. When I gave up the drink, I just decided I'm done with alcohol. That was it. You didn't have kind of the same emotional no. reaction? Oh, no, no, no. I knew the decision was made in my mind. Right. And it was a strong, they've got to go. My body literally fought to nail the fear, the fear that came up. I went to and got a hypnosis before he even hypnotized me. He didn't even hypnotize me. We just spoke about what was triggering, what was the underlying cause of it. And that brought up suicidal thoughts. The thoughts of giving up, the fear was huge, huge. I couldn't get another appointment with him. And I was so frustrated. I really was just like, I need to stop. These need to stop. I bought the Alan Carr audio book, put it on my head because I wear a headband and I marched the, the estate for two full days. And then on the Tuesday, I said to Ian, that's it now, I'm done. And that was the 13th of July, 2021. So I'd be two years this year, smoke free. But it was six weeks, I'd say, of hell. Torture, yeah. Absolute hell. So when I even see people smoking, I go, oh God, I could never go through that again. Yeah. that, That torture again, to pull them out of me again. There's no way. It's the proudest thing and the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, it sounds horrendous. Fair play for for getting through it, like some willpower and having to having to feel all the feelings coming yeah, out. Well, you I, know. I tell you what, I don't think it was willpower. I don't think willpower would work with something that that strong. Okay, it is a decision in the mind. It is a rewiring of your subconscious mind. I kept saying to myself, "I'm a non-smoker. I didn't give up anything." Right. Yeah. I'm a non-smoker. I had to read an Alan Carr book. Really helps me with that. Yeah. to rewire how I see it, reframe everything. And I read the book years ago, it worked for a little bit, but I was ready. I had made the decision Yeah, that this was going to be a done and it was done. So you're a non-drinker, non-smoker, and you mentioned no. there you're now a hiker. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Healthy, a much healthier lifestyle now. Definitely. Oh, definitely, 100%. And tell us about the hiking then. That's a whole new kind of... Yeah, we, we had joined, we had done the trail running for a few weeks or a few months and we were brutal at myself and my husband and we were absolutely down the back dead going doing the running. <laughs> it, it, it helped us see, oh my God, look at this part of the Hellfire. It's a place beside us. Uh, we've been in it loads of times, but we've only ever gone in and walked one way up and one way down. Yeah. And these fellas were bringing us on these runs and they were showing us all the different ways to get to the to the top of the hill. It's like, this is amazing. And it's right on my doorstep. Mm. So they opened up the world for us, but we quickly learned that we weren't really runners, especially trail runners going <laughs> on the hill. <laughs> and then I booked the Kerry Camino with the gorgeous Barbara Byrne. She was taking tours down to Kerry. So then I said, oh, I better get fit for that. And that was the start of it. We started to explore. We found a mountain in Wicklow. We got to the top of it and we were like, oh. So we came hooked on finding the mountains and getting to the tops of them. Yeah. So that brought us to the Morn Mountains, the Wicklow Mountains. So we've, we've done a fair bit of hiking now that year. And it was phenomenal, phenomenal. So, yeah, the fitness levels got, got increased on the hills. Yeah. But over those two years while I was hiking and stuff, I uh, I kept the clients that I had that I was mentoring. 
And I just didn't run any events and I didn't take on any new clients. So what I had to do was, and this is important, you know, it's important that we acknowledge that we need time out and that we take that time out. Yeah. I pulled back my energy from wherever I was leaking it, wherever I was given energy. I had to ask myself, is this, am I getting enough from this to warrant that? So I, I closed down the We Can and We Will Facebook group. I stopped taking on new clients and I just minded myself for nearly two years. Okay. Any energy I had, I kept for hiking, self-care and looking after the clients who I already had on my books. And I looked after them well and I hiked, I slept, I did a QTT, I trained in quantum thinking for my own mindset. I said, yeah. if this works for me, then I can bring it into my business. So I spent 10 months going up and down to Limerick training and literally it was the best thing I could have ever done I don't think it's fair if you need that type of attention to yourself to keep trying to do everything else yeah you are the most important you are the CEO of your own life you have to be responsible for your health physical mentally spiritual the whole lot has to be looked after before you can pour or give to anyone else yeah so you spent the last few years building yourself back up really yeah yeah okay so you did that course, you pulled back from some stuff, focused yeah. on your clients and then the hiking. And and what did the hiking give you apart from the fitness? Oh, gee, for so much, you know, to see the beauty that we have in this country, to be present. And there's so much healing in nature. Yeah. You know, when I gave up the cigarettes, when I when I when I became a non-smoker, some people experience that their taste buds come back or their smell comes back. I was starting to feel for the first time. I'm getting emotional now. now. I was starting to feel okay. for the first time in many, many years. So my sense of I'm happy or I'm sad or I'm frustrated or, you know, all these feelings, these emotions, I was now actually feeling them. Because in the past, if you, if me and you were having a laugh, straight away I was going outside to have a cigarette. Yeah. If you had given me bad news, I was smoking. So I was literally on a numbing agent for 34 years. So yeah. when I went up to hike in nature, helped heal me, helped you know, bring the oxygen, clear the air, all that beautiful stuff it does and helped me bring me present in nature. Like there was yeah. a thing me 17 used to say when we got to the mountain, are we on the mountain? Leave your thoughts behind. Like, am I actually here and present? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. We have a beautiful country here. OMG. There's so much to see. Yeah. Those mountains and those hills. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really way more in touch with yourself now. And it's okay to feel sad or feel, you know, it sounds like when your emotions come, you're all right with if they're positive or negative or just I've learned how to manage. I tell you what, I've learned how to understand them. Yeah. Which is nicer. I don't try and manage them. I can understand them. I can accept them. Not all the time. Jesus, I'm not perfect. I'm human. Yeah. (laughs) I'm human. And it's not all woohoo and perfect, far from it. But when emotions come up now, I can identify them and see them for what they really are instead of stuffing them back down, which I did for many, many years. Yeah, which so many of us do. It's a work in progress, I think, for, yeah. for most people. So a question I ask people sometimes on the podcast is you've had a lot of detours to get to where you are now. If you could have had a more direct route would you have chosen it or are you grateful for the detours that were there? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I suppose you have to say you're, you're grateful, not for all of them. They were tough. 
there was a lot of hurt in my younger years. Yeah, like, and sorry, you don't have to say you're grateful for anything. It's honest. Yeah. Would you have liked a more direct route or are you happy that? No, parts of it. Maybe the younger years. But then, no, I am who I am. My mess is my message. I share so much from all the wisdom that yeah. I have taken from the fact that I felt those feelings for those years. Yeah. OK. So every experience has given me wisdom. And what have been the best bits along the way? Oh, there's so many. There's so many. You said it there. I just recently learned that I'm a thrill-seeking empath. I used thrill to think I was, yeah, yeah, I used to think it was a rebel in me, but I'm a thrill-seeking empath. Okay, so, that makes like, sense. I, <laughs> yeah, I jumped out of an airplane, did the skydive. <laughs> OMG, I loved it. I loved it. I zip line and I love, you know, that fear of flying by the seat of your pants. Now, not everything, like, there's not everything. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. There's just certain things. Mm-hmm. And I, that I love to have a thrill. Yeah. So being on the big stages, I suppose for me, that that gives me the thrill. Yeah. In that an everyday me. sense, without having yeah, to yeah, yeah. be yeah, jumping yeah. out of anything. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. Oh, there's so, look, the four kids are four beautiful, amazing children. They mm. really are. They're amazing children. Uh, meeting my soulmate. And I suppose in the recent years, finding myself really standing in who I am. For years, I was outside of myself being that ah, excited, happy bunny. But now I have that sense of excitement, but I also am grounded. Yeah. And for people listening, because I, I have coached people on dating and stuff in the past, just on the, the word soulmate. How did you know that he was your soulmate? <laughs> I love the story. So here you go. So picture this. I've gone out with every lunatic <laughs> Going right, you could. I, a fortune teller told me years ago you could write a book and it'd be a bestseller, right? Because I like, I literally would like stray. Maybe you will, maybe you will, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, probably will. And this particular week, I said to myself, I'm done now, that's it. I'm going to stay and go it alone. Can't be doing with these mad things anymore. I need to just be by myself for a while. But I really meant it. Like the decision I made when I gave up the alcohol, like the decision I made with the cigarettes, I really had decided that I had had enough. And that was the time I met my husband. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong, we were were fairly well on when we met each other. And I knew within four weeks I'd marry him. Um, What made you so sure? The heart connection was there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pure heart. There was no head in it. It was pure heart. I remember spitting out the words, I love you. And he was like, oh, God, I hope he says it back. And he didn't. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, he didn't. He <laughs> <shy>. <laughs> I'm sure he felt it. He just was probably building up the curve. It, but, you know, yeah, it was all heart-led. It was it was a beautiful heart connection. We were having the crack. Like, don't get me wrong, we were out partying. But then we'd go shopping together. And, like, it, it just felt so different yeah. than anything that I had experienced before. I was always saying, I'll never get married, never get married, never get married. I knew after four weeks I wanted to get married and I wanted to marry him. Yeah, very natural, it sounds. Well, actually, it's funny when I, I think the first weekend and we will networking event, when I went to it and I met the two of you, I thought that it was like a recent relationship that you were maybe only together a year or two because you just seemed so besotted with each other. And then when I discovered you're together for years, it's it's mad, it's lovely. Um, So that really comes across. I anyway, went in the hills. We'd be like two kids sometimes singing and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. You have fun together as well. Yeah. Anyway, I won't embarrass you anymore. And I suppose that's the, the best bits. What, what have been the biggest challenges? Well, there we spoke about, I suppose, yeah. the addictions. The addictions have been really hard. 
Yeah. Learning to understand those emotions. I experienced yeah. the anxiety in, in the sense that I had this strangulation for nearly 18 months and I, it was very frustrating at times. But bit by bit, just, you know, sticking to the group and learning with the QTT and learning to understand what this is telling me and, yeah. and how it works. But that was that's been very challenging. Those two years was experiencing this. As I thought it was something to do with sinuses and everything. I thought it was a physical, but it's not. It's an emotional. When things come up for me since then, they'll come up around the right side of my throat. So it's like a trauma response, is it? Yeah, it's nearly like a sense of strangulation. So, oh my God. And sometimes it's not always my stuff. So if I get a sense of it and I'm saying, am I carrying stuff for someone else or is there something I need to tell somebody? Or like at one time we, we did something and, and the girl said, is that yours? It wasn't my stuff. It was my granny stuff. Right. Then stay small. Don't be out there showing off, you know, and this was what was causing it. So yeah. learning to understand all this has been very, I used to say, if my emotions come up with a to-do list, I'd be fine. I just don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Like many people may feel similar. It's yeah. like this bubbling up. I'm experiencing this. I don't know what this is and I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. This year I've gone on to discover that I had no estrogen. I'm after recently going on to HRT. That's made a massive difference. Okay. And I think the emotional stuff for some of us at a certain age of a woman, we'll start to ask questions. We want to know more. Yeah. Because this is all bubbling up now. And that we've been busy rearing our kids or doing what we're doing in our 30s, our 20s. And now all of a sudden we're older. The estrogen levels are dropping. Whatever's happening to change. And all this emotional stuff is coming up. So it's been an interesting journey. It's been yeah. an interesting journey. But challenging. Emotions have challenged me a lot. Because I didn't understand. It sounds like you've found a really good way to cope. Well, you've you've got better understanding and have found a way to, to cope. And I suppose one thing is now, like we were never taught any of this kind of stuff in school. Like, and as you say, push it down, drink, smoke, whatever, go out, deny it. And now at least kids are being taught a little bit about well-being in schools. So yeah. it's, it's a different generation. Okay, so what's next for Amanda um, in your next chapter? What lies ahead? What lies ahead for me? Well, I'll, I'll continue to do the mentoring, which I love, helping new and established business owners. I'll be running my events again. My first in-person event is on the 12th of March. There's another one hopefully coming up in the summer, which is going to be, we can and we will do fear. Okay. And what's that about? Hear that. <laughs> It'll be fear. an overnight, an overnight, an adventure place where we'll be jumping off um zip lines and jumping off stuff yeah oh my god <laughs> I'm gonna take the trail seekers with me <laughs> yeah I'm not sure I'll be I'll be at that one but uh <laughs> that won't be for everyone <laughs> I'm a big scaredy cat yeah. uh cool so too so that would be exciting to have the event next weekend um, and I'll share details about that in the show notes That's- and for anyone that doesn't already follow you on social media where can they find you Instagram Facebook is my two yeah the two yeah best places to find me at, at Amanda Delaney Mentor and the link to the event and stuff is there yes. great okay well Amanda it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much and thanks for for your honesty it's been great and I'm sure that this talk will help a lot of other people listening so thanks a million thanks Lane. thanks to my lovely guest today and thanks to those of you that listened if you like this episode please share or tell a friend I'll be back next time 
to talk to another amazing lady who has reinvented her next chapter. <laughs>